Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bubba and the Bloom, episode 96. Happy New Year, which means it is Bloom Board season, folks. We're going to kick you off with some Bloom Boards tonight before we get our positional previews for the 2024 fantasy season starting up with you guys next week. You can find me on Twitter at BDNTrick, the podcast at Bubba Bloom Pod, and my co-host, as always, on the Twitter at Ryan BHQ. Ryan Bloomfield, how we doing, my friend? We're hanging on by a thread. I'm not going to lie tonight, Bubba. You can probably all hear it in my voice already at this point, but spent a week in Virginia with the family back home, got the flu on New Year's and haven't really gotten much better. So uh, flew home last night, got the uh, got the eucalyptus tea down here, got got a 40 pack of cough drops, got some NyQuil. They'll pop about halfway through the episode. It's a tough <laughs> scene. It's a tough scene at, uh, at, at Bubba in the Bloom North here. How are yeah, you doing? We, hopefully, hopefully better than me. Happy New Year, man. Yeah, happy New Year to you too. It's weird because before, like, on our last episodes, I was the one under the gun, like yep. with the sniffles and everything. And we've changed roles here. And um, I will say it was kind of it, funny to me in a wet run. Like, I knew Ryan was already not feeling well. We talked before this, but uh, when we first logged in, for those watching on YouTube, um, he's got the beanie on. He's all bundled up, and I'm like, yeah, that's a sick man right there. That's a guy. Yeah. That's, he's got the chills or something. Be- going be- on. Beanie like, is not the indoor beanie is not a fashion state. I didn't. Yeah, yes. I didn't mention that as part of my apparatus here. But yeah, I got yeah. the beanie on inside, which yeah, just instant instant red flag. But yeah, he's playing hurt. He's not injured, folks. So we're gonna power through this one and get you guys going. Um, and like I said, next week we'll kick off the uh, the season previews coming at you Tuesdays and Thursday nights to get you ready as it is hardcore draft season already. Like DCs are flying off and it's NFC 50s. Gladiators are almost done. And mentioned it in our last episode, Bubba and the Bloom Listener Leagues, folks. Auction leagues. You guys are awesome. That's all I'm going to say. Between sending me messages and Ryan messages, we are on the verge of probably close to filling up two teams or two leagues already, which is pretty dang awesome. We're talking, I believe we were thinking 15 team leagues, right? Yeah. Yep. See, yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're closing in on two teams already. So what we're going to say is remember, if you guys leave a rating and review, and you can send it to Ryan, myself, both the podcast, whatever you want, and we will put you on the, and you're interested, put you on the list. We're talking about probably a $50 price point right now. That's yep. the goal. If we get four or more teams, we're going to work on getting an overall component. Leagues, and if we get, leagues. You keep saying leagues. Teams. Sorry, I keep saying leagues. Four or more leagues, we're going to get an overall component. And if we get four or more leagues, we've already discussed a pretty cool price we're going to put out there for you guys. But we got to get there first. So uh, just let us know. Get on in. Make it happen. Did I leave anything else out of that one? I was just, yeah, like it was almost when we brought up the auction listener league, it was like in the middle of our New Year's resolution episode last thursday and it was like not almost a passing glance but like it was it it wasn't a highlight of the show so it was really cool to even just mention it to be able to fill almost two leagues at this point uh really appreciate everyone who reached out left ratings and reviews and yeah we are we're gonna keep pumping it here on the on the show and i'm excited for it so um no everything else you said bubba is is about right did you mention dates we're thinking like early march ish so yeah. just a heads up we'll, we'll obviously like we'll if flesh we get, out some details as these next couple of weeks as we like get if, a more firm if number we start realizing we're getting like six to eight leagues we might start <laughs> in february and and here's the reality ryan and i joked about also before the show we mentioned last week on the episode that you know we'll try to have at least if we get a bunch of leagues try to have at least one of us in each league to make it fun for you 
if we start getting into the five, six, seven, eights, there's a chance we might not play in every league, but you'll still be a part of the listener league, part of the overall, all that fun stuff. Yep. So don't get offended in that. And what we'll do is I'll do it live on the air. I already thought about this. When we finalize the amount of teams, we will do random draws on the air to pick your leagues, essentially, because we have to give you guys each an individual link. That way it's completely fair. We're not picking teams. We're not doing any of that. And it'll be uh, it'll be pretty sweet. So, yeah, Joe Rico's in the chat saying auctions, A. Eh? Yes, 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 Mr. Canuck. That is correct, A. Eh? Um, yeah, auctions. So come on and join the fun and, uh, and have some fun there. It's going to be... Pretty awesome if we can make this work and be really cool. But it's a yearly occurrence. But uh, yeah, spread the word, rates, reviews, and you get a chance to join the league. Pretty cool stuff. Yep. All right. I mentioned at the top of the show, Bloomboard season. Uh, I know Ryan mentioned the last episode when January turns around, it's Bloomboard time. He's already put out a couple Bloomboards. I'm gonna give you the floor, Ryan, because you are Mr. Bloom Boards, of course. And uh, you can kick, like, talk about your boards, whatever you want to do. The floor is yours. Yeah, like every, uh, it's pretty much, I mean, it's up there with the Rose Bowl in terms of like American traditions at this point. Where, <laughs> oh, Jesus. You told me not to make you laugh. <laughs> I, yeah, I said before the show, if, probably if you make me laugh, I might die. And I'm laughing at myself. Um, every, pretty much every January 1st, it's kind of like fantasy football's over calendar turns and like the last few years <clears throat> things at least on social media kind of instantly flip to baseball and like this week has been absolutely that bubble you were mentioning and all that fun stuff at the top so i'm pretty much planning to do about and we've i mean listeners of the show have known for a while bloom boards what we do uh planning to do about four per week usually on a weekdays um just and, and, and for those of you that are new to bloom boards, they're basically filters and lists of guys based on things that I think are important. Maybe some folks haven't really thought of the thing I always say with these things is um, they're the start of a conversation, not the end. And I'm glad that this, this podcast gives us the platform to be able to kind of deeper dive some of the names that show up on a board. There, there may be a board that, that has, you know, good filters, a board that has bad filters. It doesn't mean I'm in on every single player out on every single player. Uh, there's some nuance to this. And so what we'll do tonight is we will talk about two uh, bloom boards that I put out this week, pre-flu, pre-scheduled uh, on vacation. Um, the first one is Steamer versus 2023 ERA. And then we'll get to the second one, which is, uh, um, see, man, Kato Walk Percentage. Kato Walk Percentage. Yes. First and second half. Which we kind of did at... Uh, we did something similar at FPAS, mm -hmm. but to be quite honest, that was like a little bit more trivia. We didn't really go as deep into the players themselves. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many folks listened to that podcast, yep. and anyone who was in that room was heavily lubricated. So a great we time. can we can probably just you know re and rehash will, some of that stuff. And I will say, like the big prizes at FPAS was autographed baseballs from myself and Ryan, yeah. that will not be the price if you play in a listener league. It'll be better than that, I promise. Um, so uh, that that that's a guarantee. That's a you know, that's that, a good that's a good uh, point of distinction. And I will put a caveat on the uh, the bloom boards that Ryan was talking about. One thing I always like to say, and so I'm pretty sure Ryan's on the same page here. The biggest use of these bloom boards is to open your mind to maybe digging in on a player. It's not so much about comp comparing this to that, and you know, just all of a sudden I like this guy because the bloom board said so. No, it's it's always there's always a couple of guys on every board where you're just like there's the usual suspects, and then you're just like, whoa, 
what's this guy doing here? And then it makes you kind of think about it and maybe look into it. Was was this maybe one or two stats we're looking at, just like a fluky thing? Was this, wow, he was actually really good in the second half, but his overall metrics don't show it, so he's probably down in ADP or something. Things along those lines to uh, to go to. And it's actually how I tend to prep. Um, I think the more conventional, like during during this offseason, I think the more conventional way is to almost go like player by player by player by player. Um, what I kind of do is I take, Basically, I take projections as as what they what they are, but then I run all these bloom boards, and, and what they're what they're able to do is just kind of look at outliers and, and and kind of bubble those guys to the top. Make me make me like well, I mean, we'll talk about like Michael Grove tonight. It's like someone if I'm going down pitcher by pitcher, and I'm at pitcher 120 or whatever Michael Grove is in ADP. Um, am I giving him you know that fair shake? Whereas if he pops on near the top of a bloom board, it's like okay. Um, I should probably focus on this guy and see if this is someone I want to target, this sort of thing. So um, it's a big part of my draft prep process as well. For sure. So let's get into it. Let's start with the first board here. And this is a fun one because there's some definite names on here that make us go, hmm. And that is 2023 ERAs versus steamer projections. And Bloom's ahead of the curve here. He's already got it up on the screen for, you know, flu and all. He's brought his A game. It's like the flu game for Bloomfield. We're going to have, we're going to have a good one here. Um, I'm just going to start with the guy on the top of this list, Taj Bradley. Uh, and I think I think the the gaps are are these the gaps like the biggest um, value changes? Or is that what we're going with? Just yeah, these are so. The board. Um, Sorry, I jumped ahead of that one. Explain yeah, no, we're we're good. So what we'll, what we're looking at here for the YouTube and the live stream crowd, we've got two columns, a green and a red, and the green guys who we'll talk about first are the pitchers who are projected by Steamer which is a publicly available projection system um, that you can go grab on Fangraphs, that you can download on Fangraphs. It's free. Um, these are the pitchers expected to improve their ERA the most versus what, what they posted in 2023. So, for example, Taj Bradley had a 559 ERA in 2023. Steamer's projecting him to have a 403 ERA in 2024. So Taj Bradley is projected to improve just by ERA, the most over any pitcher on the right side. Javier Assad is your biggest fader, I guess I should say. Um, 305 ERA in 2023 and a 472 projection by Steamer. So, um, I mean, I think what we'll talk about, we'll go through a lot of these guys. Like, do we believe? And this is not to, uh, this is not to crap on Steamer by any means. Um, in fact, Steamer nailed a bunch of these fades last season. Um, it was quite interesting. I, I've, I've mentioned this a couple times last year on the pod, but Steamer was like very down on Dylan Cease, on Alec Manoa, on Christian Javier. They had Yusei Kikuchi with a better ERA than those guys. And I posted something similar to last year, and everyone was like, Steamer sucks. This is, you know, projections are useless. It's like th this stuff is pretty pretty good no system is nowhere near 100 even 70 percent, i think but uh the the goal of this is not to berate steamer it's a very solid projection system uh to start out and uh and, and look at guys yep most definitely so let's look at taj bradley with his 559 2023 era which was a roller coaster ride for taj like started out great got, struggled goes to triple a comes back it's just it was a total up and down season a lot of issues with taj bradley the steamers got faith in him to come back to a 403 ERA, which 
couldn't could end up being serviceable when you talk about a guy with an ADP of 255 going around the Kikuchi's Maedas of the world. But when we're looking at the uh, the steamer projection of 403, are you kind of believing this? Or are you out on this? Like I honestly don't. I don't think he's a five five nine guy for sure. Like I, I'm a, I'm agreeing with that. The 403 is the part where you have to try to convince the situation. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I mean, you and you had a lot of Taj Bradley yep. last year, Bubba. So you, you could probably speak to this a little bit more. That the fascinating thing with Taj Bradley was just the like instant. There was some jerking around of him by the race, getting sent down, going back up, whatever. Um, Taj Bradley's walk rate by month last year: three percent in April, yep. which is just elite. Then five percent in May, and then it went to hell: eleven percent, ten percent, and ten percent, and then in September. So like. And this is what uh, on the live show at, at first pitch, Jason Collette, his biggest thing with Taj Bradley was just lack of command. Um, I don't, I don't buy a four hundred three ERA. I'm with you. I'm thinking more like four fifty until, and, and the whip's gonna hurt again. This is only one category ERA. Um, I need to see a better walk rate from Taj Bradley before I, uh, before I even probably think about buying in. Yeah, I'm with you. It's a tough one. Like I had Colette on to preview the Rays and similar thoughts as he had at, at first pitch. Um, he's still interested in him. He he Colette even admitted he was impressed with the, um, you know, we talk about how smart the fantasy world is getting that usually if you would have saw a production like like Tyler Anderson a couple of years ago, you were like, why is he so low when, you know, he pitched so well? Well, Colette was thinking Taj Bradley with a 5.59 ERA and all the ups and downs he had. He expected his ADP to be somewhere in the 300s, like in the mid 350s or so, because that's just the way we usually operate. Guy sucked. He's going down. The fact that he's still up at 250, Colette's like, wow, people are getting smarter because he admits the talent's there. He's not as bad as he was last year. And it's one of those guys that if you want to take a chance on as he's getting, you know, he's still so young. Last season, he was 22 years old. He's going to be 23. He's still working on things. He Between AAA and the bigs, he threw about a combined 142 innings. Like, so that's a plus already. The innings are there. That That's a big thing. And Colette's saying, okay, he's going to be 23. If he somehow improves the, the command just a little bit, like, this could be a good pick at 255. Like, why can't he be Yusei Kikuchi with a low four ER, ERA type stuff? Like, Kikuchi overperformed that last year, but he's usually a, a low fours guy. That's what we're looking at. So I guess what I'm trying to say is I agree with Steamer and the fact that he's definitely not 5'5'9". Five, five, Where he lands is the massive question, but – to give like a, a fantasy caveat, if you were going to take a chance on someone in that range, like there's definitely a lot of upside to Taj Bradley. I'm not saying he's going to be that first two month pitcher we saw, but definitely not the guy we saw the last four months of the year. So, because literally, even in the first two months of the year when he was really, really good, he still had almost an 8% walk rate. So it wasn't like he wasn't walking anybody, but his strike rate was so much better that it kept the ERA down, the strikeouts went up, wins were there. So he's not far off, is what I'm trying to say, which makes it very interesting. I'm I'm, I'm probably out, but but no, yeah, it's it's a tough button to click. Uh, yeah. I 100% agree because, like I said, you got Kikuchi coming off his year, you got Kenta Maeda there, Reese Olsen, who was pretty steady, Eddie behind him, Seth Lugo, um, a good comparison possibly uh, going 15 picks later. Essentially, is Kyle Harrison of the Giants, another young guy that we saw the, the roller coaster, not as many innings as Taj Bradley. So there's a differentiator if you want to. Similar things, though. Lots of upside arm, but uh, where's it go is the question. I guess we'll have to do it. Lance Lynn, 
five seven three ERA. I've got the flu, and you're gonna make me talk about Lance Lynn. Well, you said you got a stuffed up nose. I didn't say you had the stomach flu. Um, Lance Lynn stomach flu now four three three. Steamer's got him at four three three, which in reality for Lance Lynn still a little bit high compared to his career norms. Not saying that's not what he's gonna be. This is a guy that had sub four ERAs for four straight seasons uh, and had sub four ERAs all but one year of his career up till this point. So what are you thinking on Lance Lynn? So that's the interesting thing, and I don't have a right answer to this, but I'm glad you mentioned, and I think so much analysis is placed on 2023 only. And these projections, what they are doing is taking, I think Steamer's like a three-year-ish yeah. average. Um, Lance Lynn, ERA, 2019, 367, 332, 269. 399 and then 573 last year like what's the outlier i mean most likely statistical probability is that era drops down much closer to its baseline and that's what steamer is saying Mm -hmm. um the only caveats i will mention on that is lance lynn's age and i know steamer does have an aging curve built in um but it's the age lance lynn 2024 will be lance lynn's age 37 season and again, um, a big thing for me with pitchers is how do what do you do for me lately? How'd you look down the down the stretch? Um, lost some lost some control and lost a ton of whiffs in the second half. The first half swinging strike rate was up at like sixteen percent for Lance Lynn, which is really elite, and which is why like through all those struggles, we were still in on him constantly last year. That swinging strike rate went from sixteen percent down to like league average twelve percent. So you take that like recent trend with the age. Um, I, I plus I, you know, I'm still recovering from last year, so probably not doing it, but I can see, I can absolutely see a low four ZRA from, from Lance Lynn, just based on the, based on the baseline. That's what steamer sees. Yeah, I could see it. The biggest concern I have is what you mentioned is his age. He's still getting older, obviously going to St. Louis should help, should help compared to where he's been pitching the last year. Um, but it's the age is a concern. And, you know, he did throw a ton of innings last year. He hasn't done that since 2019. So that's another thing. Like, I'm not saying he can't do it. He's a bull. Like, he's a, he's a big boy that can just roll. But we've kind of said forever, if he starts to struggle at all with a guy that throws basically four different fastballs or whatever, like, you're going to get in trouble. And he finally got in trouble. And that's just uh, the concern I have with him. ADP of 301, though, I've been much more intrigued by. I'll be honest, just because, especially at least in DC formats, where you just need innings at a certain point, and you're crossing your fingers that they're not going to be an uh, ERA close to six innings situation, um, and, and that's where Lynn becomes appealing in, in drafted holds for sure. Um, but we'll see. It's it's tough to see him ever go back to that consistent just beast, but he's definitely not as bad as a five seven three. I'm gonna I'm gonna still stick with that one. Few few people are. Yes, that's true. That's true. Hunter Brown. This is a guy that I can't wrap my head around at all. I have nothing, no idea what to do with him, but 509 ERA last season. Steamer has him at 378. The boy is 25 years old. He'll be 20, he'll be 25 this year. Um, but he threw 155 innings, which was a plus, Ryan. At the same time, though, that ERA was uh, a massive one, and so was the whip. So what are you thinking when you see this? Because we meant you mentioned Lynn's three-year average. Well, Hunter Brown don't have a three-year average. So um this 378 stands out to me in, a, in quite a big way. Yeah, this and so uh looking at Hunter Brown, um his Sierra, which everyone's like, what the hell is Sierra? Sierra is fangraphs like one of it, fangraphs pitching estimators. Uh, despite the 
509 ERA from Hunter Brown, hit a 374, which is more indicative of what his skills were um, last year. So that's, I think, why, because we don't have that track record outside of minor leagues, um, I think that's why Steamer's projecting such an improvement for Hunter Brown. Um, similar to like Taj Bradley, Hunter Brown did not hold up that well in the yeah. second half. Um, 38% ball rate in the second half, just was not throwing as many strikes. And the swinging strike went down below 11% in the second half for Hunter Brown. So, like, yes, we look at the Ks, the walks. I'm going kind of one level deeper on both of those and looking at how many, you know, how many whiffs you have and and, and how many strikes you're throwing. And those, those don't look as good. He does not have a single pitch over 15% swinging strike rate, so it doesn't have, like, a true out pitch. Again, at, just at this point, still young. Um, so I, I, I'm, I'm lukewarm on Hunter Brown, and given – Given the steamer projection, probably what other models may project. Um, steamer's like, I think the only public one that's out right now. Yeah. I'm probably going to be out on, on Brown. Yeah, he's interesting. The more we sit here and talk about him, like his left on base rate was 69%, which is really low. Like he could probably get a bump there. 21% home run to fly ball. That's way high compared to what you'd expect. And you, know, like you mentioned Sierra, the XFIP was 352. Yep. Not, not bad either. That's pretty promising in the right direction of things. But yeah, a lot of it was that second half. I remember that strictly from DFS. Like I would stack against Hunter Brown because it was just ugly late in the season. It was bombs away, walks away, you name it. It was not good at all. So maybe it was a wear down thing, kind of like we saw with Tyler Wells, but the Orioles sent him down and then brought him back in the bullpen. Astros never did that with uh, Hunter Brown because they really they had injury concerns. It'll be interesting on draft day, though, because when you look at Hunter Brown, he's got a 183 ADP. He's going right behind Christian Javier and right in front of Bryce Miller. So it's a really kind of what do you expect from these guys? Like some people think Christian Javier will bounce back. I don't, but some do. Then you got these young guys in Brian Wu and Bryce Miller right there from Seattle. So fun little realm for sure. Forecaster put an up 350 ERA on Hunter Brown. So that's uh, me not being a company man, I guess. <laughs> it happens. That's why you just do what I do. And you just, you have a bunch of companies. So you can't be one company man. Um, Brady Singer. Let's talk. Your boy. This is your boy. Yeah, that's fine. That's why I wasn't going to skip him. Going to hold hold true here. Five five two ERA. Steamer's got him at four three seven. I'm in. What else you need to talk about? I'm kidding. What else you got? I mean, so you can improve and still be projected for a. You can be the fourth best projected ERA improver. That's a terrible sentence. And still throw a four thirty seven ERA. That's how bad Brady Singer was <laughs> last year. Yeah, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. It wasn't good that's, at all. But four two eight xFIP last year—that's promising. Um, like th- there are signs of goodness. Like you could give a little credit to the man. Come on. Oh really? I mean, he's so he fifty percent <laughs> ground ball rate. I'll give him that. He keeps the ball on the ground. He doesn't miss bats. Yeah, nineteen percent strikeout ball. rate last year. Like the walk rate isn't, it's just league average. Like, yeah, he throws some innings, but like more of like not good innings is not good. That's another terrible sentence. But it's just not, some not good. Not so good. you're just getting more like blah with Brady yeah. Singer. Yeah, I know. I know. It's it's tough. I'm still a believer in the improvements in the second half. The walk rate dropped uh, uh, nicely to 5%, while the strikeout rate rose to 20, 23%. Like, I like seeing that kind of improvement. Uh, that's where most of his success was 394 XFIP in the second half compared to 451 in the first half. So 
I'm still like, you know, the whip went from 156 to 129. There's a lot of nice improvements in the second half of the season. Uh, I'm trying to build on the way he finished, not the way he started kind of scenario. And as Mr. Gialdi says, Singer is so cheap. If he can finally work out the third pitch, he will be useful. I agree, Mr. Gialdi. Thanks for chipping in there. Check is in the mail. I appreciate it. For the YouTube crowd, that the font size of that if was pretty much the whole screen. So, <laughs> so uh, no, I'm just uh, yeah, I know, I know, you guys, I know. crap. Um, that that is a that is a, a legitimately good point on the second half. I can't I can't sit here and say, you know, and and bag Taj Bradley for his poor second half and not not mention the uh, the gain from Singer in the second half. So. Uh, maybe made some adjustments based on how bad he was in the first half. So, yep. yeah, take your take your 437 ERA and have fun with it. <laughs> oh, I will. I will spring into the draft room with it. Um, where, where Luckily, that didn't make me laugh. Yeah. Uh, he has a 454 ADP. Like, yeah. come on, that's, man. that's a, And that's a really good point by Gialdi. And at that point in the draft, like – Starting pitching is starting to get to I, get really barren. So Casey Mize, Clayton Kershaw, um, Kyle Hendricks, Wade Miley, Patrick Sandoval. Like, look what we're talking about here. Like, so it, it does get murky to say the least. I'm going to mention uh, Mr. Grayson Rodriguez to give him some more love because I just, I just I think we're both tremendous Grayson fans this season. So four three five ERA last year. Obviously, we've talked about it with almost every stat we see with him. First half heavy, second half not part of that. Uh, Steamer's got him at a three six ERA. So how are we feeling there? Uh, yeah, love it. If anything, I'd go lower. Um, yeah, I was thinking lower for sure. Yeah, we've talked about Grayson a, a good amount already. It's more, yeah, what we saw in the second half, but not just that. It was the, you know, he's up for the first time in the big leagues. Gets struggles, gets sent down, reworks some things. Velocity's a lot better when he comes back up. Made some changes there, and the second half skills like. Again, uh, the, the with the Gialdi size if, but um, if those second half skills last for an entire season, you're getting like a top 10, top five pitcher in Grayson Rodriguez. And the park's great too. So, Yeah, back to Brady Singer real quick. Kevin Hastings says Singer should be much more comfortable as the four than when he expected to be the one. Agreed. Agreed that's as well. A, Good call. Good that's call. A, that's that's uh, a that's a backhanded compliment. I like it. Yep. 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 It works. Hey. Um, anybody else on the uh the good side of things? We got a couple of Oakland Athletics, Waldachek Medina. Medina, I've got a few shares of already in leagues just for his price point. And like Waldachek and Medina were two guys we streamed once in a while in our game last year because they'd have moments of good yep. goodness. So they're intriguing that they're on this list. Uh, Jordan Lyles, like you made fun of Singer. He went from a six two eight to a five two five, and we're still like cool with that. Um, and then Spencer Strider of all people, like that's how good Spencer Strider was. That three eight six to three one eight is still that big of a game type thing. So uh, who else on the the positive side of things before we go to the not so positive side? No, I was happy to see Strider um, at a three one eight. I think that's, I think that's right. I think. What what we saw from Strider last year was a elevated BABIP, a low left on base rate. Those tend to stabilize year to year and not hold. So um, that's why I call them more luck factors than actual skills. And so Spencer Strider is a low threes ERA uh, skill set. Um, I don't sure. think I have anybody else. Waldachuk is so like, look at his ADP seven hundred. Like yeah, which is ridiculous. He hurt? Um... Are you looking at the right? I haven't forced. Or, well, no, no, no. I have seven twenty. What in the world? Uh yeah, no, it's not good. It's not good. Uh, Waldachuk underwent a 10x procedure in October. 
There you go. Diagnosed with UCL and flexor damage. Yeah, so, he gone. Um, he gone. That's why. That would explain that. Uh, if Waldachuk had a functioning elbow, which he still might. It's it, it's not Tommy John, I don't think. Uh, it could be Tommy John, but again, UCL is usually Tommy John related of some sort. Yeah. Um, we did use him in our streaming game a few times last year just because there are some K's and the home park is so good. But no. Yeah, Medina's the guy I'm really interested in. We saw like amazing starts from him and then also starts where he couldn't find the strike zone. A lot of Taj Bradley, Medina, I could see. There's a lot of com- com- like similarities between the two. Bradley's the better pitcher in my mind. But let's not forget, Medina was a prospect as well, not as highly like talked about, but he was called up before the other Mason Millers and these pitchers on that team to make starts. So Medina is also a young guy that might be trying to figure it out as well. So I'm, I'm intrigued with him a bit too. I like that call should, should, should have a safe gig in, in Oakland through 128 innings last year. So he'll pitch and um, had a 367 expected ERA in the second half. So in spots, Luis Medina could, uh, could work serviceable as they say yep let's go let's go to the not so good side of things i'm just gonna give one brief comment on javier Assad, and if you feel like digging in you can but he had a 305 era with a but steamers got him at 472 i only mentioned this because i joked around on our show a lot because i rostered him on a couple draft champions teams and i think he even picked him up in fab he pitches to a lot of contact so the 305 was very fortunate is all i'm gonna say and 472 makes a lot more sense and that's probably why Assad is projected to fade the most out of any starting pitcher is it's pitching to contact like in the aggregate does not work. There are, you can only, you know, there are a few guys, but like this isn't Greg Maddox anymore. No. This is uh pitching to contact doesn't really work. Now let's get to some fun names. Like, cause you said there's a steamer is pretty good on some of these guys last year. Michael Waka, three, two, two ERA four, six, seven, according to steamer for this season. And he was one of those guys that you just kept waiting for the other shoe to drop, but he literally would throw five or six innings, very serviceable innings, picked up 14 wins last year. He was 14 and four last year. He was 11 and two the year before. And he just continued to slug along and make it work. And it's just like, he's just this old man that keeps making it work. And I, I just don't get it. So what's your thoughts on Michael Walker? He's just like there gets it done. Um, I'm not. I mean, so yes, the last two seasons, Michael Walker has has outpitched his his ERA to expected ERA by almost a full run um, in 2022, and then a, almost a full run and a half in 2023. So you think, oh, maybe he's just one of those guys that you know is better than his skills. Uh, maybe he's the uh, the Jared Weaver of of 2024. Michael Walker, uh, the year before that, 2021. Had a 505 ERA and a 409 expected ERA. So you're kind of like you pitch better than your skills until you don't. Uh, and and maybe the you know the coin flipped on the right side for Waka two years in a row. Uh, that doesn't mean he's just one of those guys that's better than his skills. Um, and you you kind of touched on the the key metrics. I agree with all that. Um, plus you've got like injuries. He hasn't thrown more than 140 innings. So yep. it's not like someone while he's healthy is going to be that great for you. Yeah, and like if you just look on the draft boards, he's got a 274 ADP. It's like Nestor Cortez, Kyle Harrison, Seth Lugo right before him, Cutter Crawford. Means I'm not really in on. I'm worried there, but like Griffin Canning's down there. There's there's definitely some options I feel a little more confident, especially in the strikeout department. Walker doesn't strike guys out. And I know if you guys listen to us long enough, especially on my side of things, 
I ain't want strikeout guys unless it's literally late, late, late in the draft and hold where I'm just needing things. Now, Waka can be streamed from time to time throughout the season. I'm just not drafting him to be a dude. Let's put it that way. And uh, the ADP, he's he's getting rewarded in ADP for what he did last year. Just don't count on that is what I'm trying to say. And that's the Agreed. problem. Yep. Uh, Blake Snell, this is a fun one because there's a lot of hate for Blake Snell on the Twitter there. 225 ERA, NL Cy Young. But he had a 3.65 projected ERA from Steamer this year. And I know a lot of people just point straight to, you know, he walks guys, he pitches around guys, like whatever you want. Um, we've talked about it before because even he had a 3.62 XFIP. That's not horrible. To me, it's more the fact that, yeah, 2.25 is awesome. 3.65 is pretty dang cool, too. Like, I'm cool with 3.65. So he's on this list. And a lot of people are like, well, that's why I can't draft him or I can't do that. But let's be, let's be real. If he's healthy and a three six five comes, that's a heck of a lot of strikeouts coming too. So and this, I, yep. I'm a fan. I and this is one where I, I definitely think context is needed because if Blake Snell throws a three sixty five ERA next year, um, yes, that would be the third worst uh, drop in ERA by the projections. Blake Snell, with what he does in strikeouts, would be the I, I'm plugging this in would still be a top twenty pitcher, and so like. I think by ADP, Blake Snell is, yeah, the 17th starting pitcher off the board. So he basically, if if we believe Steamer and Blake Snell ERA rises 1.4 runs, which is which is huge. And yes, no one's expecting him to return a 225 ERA. He is still a top 20 guy because of all the strikeouts. And so um, this is one where like, yeah, even though the ERA goes up, I mean, that, that's just one category and we'll see where he lands, see what the wins look like. But the strikeouts are so good with Blake Snell that uh, I think if you can pair him with a couple like Logan Webbs or a, a, a Gilbert or Kirby, th- those types of guys, you can, uh, you can, you can do pretty well for yourself in like, uh, I don't know third fourth round i think that's yeah. i think that's where snell's going if like, you look at snell's just career we talk more than just like a one-year sample like we said so in 2022 338 then you had a 420 324 429 189 404 354 he's usually been a pretty respectable era guy to begin with like he's not knock on wood crushing you it's a matter of health and staying in the in the rotation that's the biggest thing with him so if you can keep that going it's like Yahtzee so I think it's it's like a fun one for sure the only I mean the only nitpick I'd have with the steamer projection for Snell is yeah the 170 whatever innings that he's scheduled only projected a couple times yeah hasn't done that much but yeah so we'll see how that goes I'm going to jump to Josiah Gray just because this is a guy 391 ERA last season very very good steamers got him for 521 this season and he's one of those guys, when you're in the draft room, you're looking, okay, he's increased his innings each of the last few years, which has been great. Strikeout stuff's kind of dwindled. Walks are an issue. Power is an issue, but dwindled this last year. So there's like a lot of questions as you go through his profile. But then there's starts where you're like, man, that was actually pretty good. So when you see this from Josiah Gray, what does it make you like think? Um, no, I'm 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 on board with it. The uh Think things broke pretty pretty good for Josiah Gray last year, uh, despite a, another drop in strikeout rate um, down to twenty percent, which is really bad, uh, especially given an eleven percent walk rate. Like that's a single digit strikeout minus walk. Um, 
that's not good. And what Steamer is kind of projecting here is Josiah Gray is kind of that track record and, and home run regression. Josiah Gray has been extremely homer prone throughout his career. He's been a pretty heavy fly ball pitcher, 54% in 2021, 49% fly ball rate in 2022. And that dropped to like 41%, but then went back up to 47 in the second half. So I think Steamer sees that and thinks the uh, the home runs are coming back up. And so you you combine that with a left on base rate that was pretty high. Like it, it, it's, it's, it's tough for me to, uh, to go after Josiah Gray. Like I, maybe he beats a 521, but I don't, I don't see anything better than like the high fours. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you on that one. It's, uh, it's tough because his, his ADP is very generous at 375, which makes you kind of like, okay, the innings are there. Can he figure it out? I don't know. He's still super young, but yeah, there's still, he's not improving. He's, like getting worse in the categories yeah. you're looking for, which is not great to say the least. I mean, he did Next lead one. baseball in uh, walks and home runs either in 2022 or 21, and he didn't do that last year. So that is technically that's an improvement. improvement. That's a definite improvement for sure. Let's talk Tanner Bivey. This is one a, a name two nine eight eight ERA last year, but Steamer's got him at four two zero. Um, outstanding, obviously, last year through 142 innings in the big clubs with the big club. Over almost 160 total ratios were really good, but you look at the um, the other ratio like determiners, not good. Uh, what are your thoughts? You look at Tanner Bybee because it's a guy I like a lot. I've actually been, I, I'll, I'll admit it. Like first off, thanks to everybody that signed up for the Substack. I will be getting back to you guys. It's been a well, holiday has been difficult, but um, I've been trying to work on a Tanner Bybee article. Analyzing pitchers is my worst aspect. I can write hitters all day long. Pitchers is very complicated for me. There's so many things going on. I have like four different things open for Bybee right now, and it's a head scratcher for me. So I'm really curious to see what your thoughts are on him. Um, got a lot. Uh, like I'm encouraged by Tanner Bybee. I, I'm taking the under on a 420. I think I think Bybee's more of like a mid three ZRA guy. I don't think he yeah. can break three again. Um, but we saw a like again, first half, second half, as this guy is adjusting, uh, we saw the ball rate go down from 38%, which is league average on that is 36%. So Tanner Bybee in the first half, like the command wasn't really there. That went down to 35%. So got much better through a lot more strikes while also getting a lot more whiffs in the second half and, and doing it like while being pushed. I mean, this is a rookie, his first time making adjustments in the big leagues. And uh, I just think the way he handled himself and, and the way Cleveland handle Tanner Bybee. Um, I think you're looking at a mid three ZRA guy, which where, where Bybee is going, um, I think is fine. Cause I, I do think there's some strikeout upside compared to what we saw from, uh, from Bybee last year, which was just a 24% K rate, I believe, um, uh, which is just kind of meh, but in the forecaster, we put an upside of 200 Ks on Tanner Bybee, basically for those reasons that I just laid out. So, um, this is one where I'm kind of bucking from steamer. Yeah, and that's kind of one of the things I, I wanted to mention. First off, I had the forecaster up to Bybee's page because I've been looking at that, and I like the the projections they have there, like the upside of two, uh, 200 Ks. Like I was digging in on the, the PLV page for him, and this is what really confused me, but it's also kind of a usage factor, how often he uses certain pitches, but he has like an elite, elite slider. He only uses it 27% of the time, which is frustrating because his fastball is a little below average. It's almost a 50% pitch. And his changeup is is above average. It's it's pretty darn good too. And he only uses that seventeen percent of the time. So to me, just from the outside looking in, 
this is a guy that if he just kind of tweaked his pitch mix up a little more and kind of went a little less fastball heavy and more slider changeup, like the strikeouts could come in even bigger bunches to, to go along with what you said, the 200K projection. And that's where I'm like, I am optimistic on what I see. It's just he's so fastball heavy, and that's kind of where he – once they got into trouble, obviously, with the 290 ERA, but it leads to trouble compared yep. to the other pitches. So, because uh, like if you you guys go deeper into the stat cast page and his fastball was just very hittable, like very yep. hittable. And Didn't that's throw just... for strikes at all. He actually threw his slider and changeup for strikes more often yep. than his fastball, which you don't really see. That yeah. That's often. why I was like, I, that's why I said I was taking, I look at his stat cast and the pitch, but I just get baffled looking at this, this guy. Cause it's just such a weird profile. So I am intrigued with Tanner Bybee. I, I'm, I'm with you on that. So we'll see if he can keep it going this year. Let's go to Michael King. The guy that was, you know, potentially going into last season, the backup to uh, to Clay Holmes at one point in time, goes into the rotation instead and was just awesome. He still picked up six saves last year to top it off, but um, ended up throwing 104 innings, which was big, 275 ERA, 337 XFIP. But uh, Steamer has him at a wonderful 388 uh, ERA, which is still pretty good. So what's your thoughts on Michael King? I've got him for like a 350. So Michael King was one of the ones when I posted this on Twitter. Got a few, Bybee and King were the two where people were like, wow, that's uh, that's interesting. Michael King's a tough one to project because you need to be very careful. Jeff Zimmerman's big on this. Um, you need to be very careful looking at starting pitcher versus reliever splits. Yes. And so it's a tough projection. I, I honestly don't know if Steamer does that. So I can't really comment on that. Um, what I do know is like Michael King throws four pitches over 15% of the time skills are really good last year. I, my, I mean, my, my, so I'm taking the under on that ERA. My concern is just the volume. I mean, he threw 104 innings last year. Like I think if you, if, if you're, if you buy steamer and that's a 388 ERA with volume concerns, Michael King is way overpriced at his ADP. So uh, but I, I I do think he's like a mid threes ERA guy with uh, with um, with some good strikeout potential in San Diego. He will have the job. It's just how long will the the arm hold up? Yeah, that's my biggest concern. I have no doubt in my confidence of his skills. I just don't know how long his skills will be in play, and that is my concern when you're when you're looking at drafting a guy like uh, King with a ADP of one forty five. Like that's you need something a little more there. Hey, to, hey don't, uh, don't, don't sound don't sound don't sound so surprised. I took Mr. King. I've taken him a few times around. I think like tenth round, something like that. That's fine. That's fine. All right. The last guy I want to bring up here is uh Garrett Cole, our unanimous number two, almost your number three. It was close. There's discussions to be made here. But uh Garrett Cole, he had a two six three ERA as he went. We have the two Cy Young Award winners on this chart, by the way. Yeah. Yep. Um and he drops down to a 3.73, which, again, still not a bad ERA, but not what you want from your elite dude. Let's put it that way. And the 3.73 is a lot closer to his XFIP in the Sierra from last year, which is uh, something to maybe think about. But you mentioned a lot of things on Cole earlier when we did our top 20 countdown. So what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, it's like we both had, yeah, we both had him number two, but like we both seem pretty hesitant to put him yeah. there. And you don't, I mean, this is one where like, yes, you, I mean, the track record, the volume, that's all just absolutely bulletproof. Um, but there are signs. There absolutely are signs with Garrett Cole. The strikeout rate is 
has dropped from 34 down to 32 down to 27. The swinging strike rate was a career low last year. Um, rebounded somewhat in the second half, which is which is good, like which is a a positive sign. But I um I I'm not I'm a little surprised, Steamer. This is the projection for Cole, but like I wouldn't be shocked if uh you know crazy stuff happens with starting pitchers and, and like you said, some of the names that were on here last year um was like what and could happen with Garrett Cole. Yeah, he could take a step back, but at the same time, if it's three seven three, if that offense comes better, still rack up fifteen plus wins, still get you two hundred plus Ks. So it's just one of those things. If because of the innings you'll throw out there, so it's it's a tough one to say the so least. That's but, the thing. Like if I put, let's see, I'm going to put because I've got my draft sheet up. Um, what what's his ERA? They're projected for three seven three. Three seven three. Um. At 200 innings with the number of Ks, and I've got like 15 wins for Garrett Cole with that lineup, like you were just saying. He's still the number two starting pitcher. That's what I'm saying. Like, so, like, similar yeah. to Snell, he can still fall back quite a bit, but the wins, the strikeouts, the volume is so good that, um, like, it's, it's that's, still there. So That's one thing, diving in so much already and doing the drafts I've been doing, that's my biggest takeaway from the early pitchers that I'm, I'm more focused on is the strikeouts and the innings. Like the ERAs are what they are because, and we've said it before. Like, yes, we're using steamer projections, but when we use projections, we trust the hitter projections way more than pitchers. More often than not, like, I'll just be, we'll, we'll get it I out did, there. I did, now, this yeah. is cool yeah. because this exercise has worked in the past and it's just a fun discussion point. But um, the fact that I just wanted to bring up if Cole falls to like a 373, if he still gets to the innings, he's not going to crush you. And that's one thing. Like, my point was, is don't drop him off your board just because you see this 373. Yeah, and I, I I totally if you want to go like Zach Wheeler, or you know my man Pablo Lopez, maybe not that much, but if you want to go that route over uh, over Cole, I I get it, but like don't uh, don't sleep on how uh, rock solid and stable he is. Hundred percent, hundred percent. All right, let's switch over to the K to walks as we've hit pretty much all the main culprits on this board. Really fun board here but the k to walks like you said we've uh it's first half it's april to june versus second half july to september it's a it's a chart we pretty much used at f pass but like ryan said it was more for trivia more so than um kind of breaking things down to say the least if you guys followed my tweet today the gif said everything you need to know about this chart when frederick peralta uh was in the gif because freddie is team bub in the bloom or we are team freddie you decide either way but um, 16.7 K to walk in the first half, 30.5 in the second half. I know I should have let you explain the board if you'd like, but um, I was just, I was too excited to talk about Freddie. So the floor yeah, is yours. Easy, easy, Bubba. Uh, no, Peralta had the best. I mean, 30% strikeout minus walk is like ridiculous. That's just absurd. That's just absurd. So That's elite closer stuff. Yep, it is. Um, so I don't have too much to add. Again, we've kind of already talked about him. The, the, the board in general, so like, and and so what we've talked about in the last exercise, we've mentioned a lot, first half, second half, and finishing strong, finishing not strong. Just feel like this board just lays out the guys who finish strong, and and we can then pick through this list and, you know, a, 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 a steamer projection, a or really any projection, is likely not going to wait a second half gain. Um, they're going to wait that track record more. And like you were saying for pitchers, Bubba, uh, we're much more able to like, or not able to, like we believe that pitchers can kind of reinvent themselves if we see improvement and we see changes in other things, approach that sort of thing. Um, that just adds 
kind of further I don't know, fuel to the fires, right? The right word, but it makes you kind of go out on the limb even more and, and draft these guys ahead of ADP if you if you want to. Well, let's just go to the next guy on the list then, Nick Pavetta, who was outstanding in the second half. 15.3% K to walk in the first half, 29% in the second half. Now, a lot of that came when they started utilizing him out of the bullpen, used him with an opener. Like he was just filthy in the strikeout departments in the second half of the season. Uh, not sure how he'll get utilized this season, but definite positive gains from first half to second half. The ratios got better. Obviously, the strikeouts got better. Um, what are you thinking when you see Nick Pavetta? Because it was a, a big boy, big boy party for him. So, what I also did for this, uh, show is i also i ran some numbers and pulled um who switched up their pitch mix the most in this time frame so from first to second half nick pavetta by far uh he he basically switched up half of his pitch mix in the second half so um to what i was just saying if you basically double your strikeout minus walk which is our favorite metric should be a sponsor of the the podcast at this point um nick pavetta not only did he improve but um the pitch mix change, like even I think, makes me think that the second half gains will stick. Uh, through a cutter 14% of the time, through a little bit more of a sweeper in the second half, both of those pitches, 20% uh, swinging strike, at least on both of those. Forcing fastball whiff rate at 14%, which is just elite. Like Pavetta, we've all been burned by Pavetta, but like if you remove the name, you look at the mix change, the fastball, and some of these secondaries that he was flashing in the second half. I don't see how you don't buy in. Uh, like you said, maybe the role. Maybe there's some uncertainty in the role, but they'll find a way. Yeah, it's very, very, very intriguing with Nick Pavetta. Let's talk about our conundrum, our yearly conundrum, Aaron Nola. Like while you were talking, I started pulling up his splits and wild stuff here. So he goes 16.7K to walk in April to June. 22.7 in July to September. That's a great improvement. His ERA got worse in the second half. His BABIP went through the roof. Um, home runs were down t- uh, 21 to 11. Like this is the Nick Pave- or the Aaron Nola just <laughs> conundrum in a nutshell. Freudian um, slip. I like it. Yeah, it was. But like, what do you, when you look at this, what are you thinking with Aaron Nola? Because yeah, on paper, some of it was massively improved. Like I said, the home runs improved a ton. K to walk was great, but he got BABIP to death. He did. He's just trying to suck us back in, man. He's yep. trying to suck us back in. And again, like I was saying with Pavetta, like remove the name. Look at what he did the second half. Like he, it's still, it's there. Um, it is interesting to note Pav- or, God, Nola. Did it too. <laughs> um, really did not change his pitch mix at all from first to second half, at least usage wise. I'm not sure like movement and all that stuff, arm slot, that sort of thing. So that I don't know, but they, at least the usage of his pitches, he did not uh, change. Um, I don't know. I just, just an enigma. I, I could see myself taking Nola in like the, the, oh, yeah. the fourth round again. I mean, just, it's, it's the volume, but it's going to be tough. It'll be tough given what he did to us last year. Let's talk about a guy I've already mentioned, um, Griffin Canning's name in ADP once, but this was a big improvement, and he kind of took the waiver wire by storm. I think his last couple starts weren't ideal, but overall his second half was really, really good. 16.9K to walk to 22.6, and the ratios followed, less home runs, the whole shebang. So uh, when you look at Canning, what are you seeing with him? Because I know he's a very popular name in these early draft streets. 
Yeah, I think uh, I think Canning popped the most on 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 Twitter when I posted this because he's cheap. The ADP is two ninety one, um, and the skills are like borderline elite from what we saw Griffin Canning last year. Now, volume and injury history is is why Griffin Canning is cheap. But he threw under twenty seven innings last year. It's not like this is a major volume issue. And and if really if we're talking pitchers. <laughs> They're all injury risks at, at you know at some point. So um I'm I'm absolutely willing to take on what might be like a minor volume concern at an ADP of like 291 in draft champions leagues uh for Griffin Canning. I think he's a I think he's a great buy. Like he was already decent before, like in the first half, and then he improved this much in the second half. So yeah, and that's why it's interesting. Like we talked about uh, Michael Walker, Canyon's going 20 picks after him. It's just wow, it's really. Yeah, it's a tough one to stomach with Michael Walker. Yeah, that's a, I mean, I think a no-brainer. On I'm paper, canning. on paper, it definitely looks like a no-brainer. I'm with, I'm with you on that one. Justin Steele, got to bring him up. Sixteen point five k to walk to twenty two point two. You know, he was in the he's in the Cy Young running, kind of scuffled his last couple starts, obviously, but still finished pretty darn strong. Um, first half was much better than the second half when it came to ratios and and everything else, but even, you know, the home runs, you have more home runs in the second half. So more hittable in the second half, yet better strikeout stuff. Actually, strikeout rate was the same. It was the, um, the, uh, no, strikeout rate jumped like 5%. Oh, it jumped, yeah. It, it jumped, jumped, jumped like 5%. I was looking at a different thing, 5%. Yep. So he was striking out more guys, yet giving up more <laughs> production. So what are you thinking when you see Justin Steele? Justin Steele was one of the top guys on this list last year, which was one of the reasons why, um, we were both in on him. And actually, number one on this list last year, I should mention I should have mentioned that at the top was Cy Snell. So nice. um, there were a few other hits. There's always misses on these. I mean, nothing is nothing's hundred percent, but uh, but there is that little tidbit. Um, Justin Steele, interestingly enough, yeah, did not change his pitch mix at all first to second half, just because he is such a two-pitch guy, but like yeah, the five percent jump in strikeout rate in the second half. Um, is he gonna post a 306 CRA again? No. But like mid threes, we threw 170 innings last year, and the and the price on steel is a hundred. Like, right, I think that's right behind I mean, Tanner Bybee. Yeah, and like around Walker Bueller, Joe Musgrove. I mean, at this point in the off season, with given the injury concerns with those guys, I think Justin Steele is a, a pretty good buy. Like, I think a lot of folks are expecting regression on Steele because yeah, coming off a career year, and no, he's not going to repeat it. But like, I think he'd come pretty close. Yep, I'm I'm on board again. I just took him as my SP two in the NFPC fifty I'm in right now, so uh, I'm definitely in on that one. Uh, William Jones in the chat here says, "How do you feel about the stuff plus metric and the fact that Steele had really low numbers in that metric?" Um, so that that's a really good question, uh, William. And I, I I personally don't use stuff plus that much. Um, in my analysis, I think uh, just for me, it gets really granular. And it, it's a great tool. It's 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 a great way to kind of quantify the effectiveness of pitches. Um, I think when you have, I think Stuff Plus is really good for small samples, for relievers, for guys relievers. that are, that just came up, um, and you know maybe in Fab they they threw two starts, and you need to make a decision on whether you know how much to bid on this guy in Fab. That's when I look at Stuff Plus because it 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 it's very quick. Yes. Um, to adjust to adjust exactly whereas like justin Steele, I, 
I mentioned the 173 innings. At a certain point, I'm just going to trust strikeout minus walk, whiff rate, and, and ball rate um, over a larger sample. So that that's how I use it personally. I'm not saying that's the right way, but yeah. uh, but that's that's my kind of well, take on e- it. E- Eno's even said he loves using it for finding relievers and stuff like that. Like he's flat out said it's a great metric for that. So yeah, I'm with you there. I, I rarely ever use it. Like I've said, there's a million metrics now. I, I'm just a caveman, so I try to keep it simple. Like there's just. I, I can't can't do it do everything, so I usually don't even use it that often unless it is to find something on the waiver wire like Ryan talked about, which maybe we'll use once in a while. Who knows? We'll see. But um, there's a lot of names here, so I'm trying to decipher where we want to go. But you mentioned changing pitch mix up. So I want to bring Kyle Bradish on here because I know he did. So I want to let you talk about him for a second. Uh, Kyle Bradish had a 15.9% K to walk in the first half, 206 in the second half. Obviously had an amazing season. Can he duplicate to that level of success? That's the question. But pitch mix was a major factor. So what do you have on him? Yeah, and the slider just became very slider heavy through the curveball. Z Tanner Bybee, take a take a take a message. I know. He could like <laughs> definitely take a book from the Tanner Bybee. And like I'm sure let's go back to Bybee, but like Cleveland knows what they're doing, man. They've had very a lot of guys pitch guys. backwards like that too. Yep. In the past, like Shane Bieber never had a, I don't think he ever had like an elite. He never had an elite fastball, very hittable as we see now. Like it's not special. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the big pitch mix change with uh, Bradish was a lot more sliders and basically ditched uh, his change up in the second half. Those were, those were the, those were the two big changes. Um, and for good reason, slider, 18% swinging strike, which is really good. Um the fastball is not that great. The sinker is not that great. The curveball is okay. Or the curveball, sorry. Curveball is really good. Um, but like you see a jump in whiffs. You see a jump in strikeouts. You see an improvement in walk rate from first to second half. And you see a 10-point improvement in ground ball rate from Kyle Bradish. In that park with that team, Like I think I, I do think he's fully priced, but I think Kyle Bradish is, is a fine buy. And I think we got... I think we got a listener question comment from Colin my shot who um not to put you on the spot Bubba, but also went into a really good um oh, do you want to do that one right now thing on yeah it might as well I got it then like, um try he, went in, he went into Bradish in depth I think it was a question in yeah like he kind of covered everything he, he basically <laughs> said is Kyle Bradish the real ace in Baltimore among starting pitchers with 100 plus innings pitched in 2023 Bradish had a 104 whip, in, in, which was T4 in MLB, tied with George Kirby. He had 126 stuff plus. Um, his third in MLB, Strider had a 125. He had a 376 Sierra, which is top 25. It's right around Luis Castillo's 375. Uh, he had a, a plus 25% K rate, low career walk rate, and on a good O's team in a friendly park. His second half was actually better than his first half. In 96 and two-thirds innings, from July to the end of the season, Bradish had 101 Ks, a 2.15 ERA, a 27% K, 6.4% walk, which we just talked about, and a 3.25 xFIP. Colin Mushot has Bradish inside his top 20 SP. Can you talk me off the sledge, or am I going to have some company? Great. Stuff. I get it. I get it. I just don't know if I have him. That like, from what we talked about on our top 20 episode, there's a lot of guys that are kind of in those ranges of moving pieces back and forth. I get where he's at, but I, I don't have him top 20. It's funny. Bradish is uh, Bradish and uh, Justin Steele are pretty much right next to each other in ADP. I think I'd go Steele. Um, yes. To will, so go, to go back to William's question about stuff plus, 
um, that Colin just mentioned in the tweet. By the way, like I'm glad we're going to be transparent about these auction leagues because I don't want to be in Colin's league at this point. Yeah, yeah smart no, dude, no. very smart dude. Um, outliers and stuff plus like like that are I think meaningful. So I think Colin in the tweet said Bradish is like the second or third best stuff plus like that. That that should you should take that into account. The outliers like that. And let's just say I'm looking at my starting pitching rankings right now while we're talking about it. I have Kyle Bradish 27. Like he's literally it goes Grayson, Scoobal, Yuri, Eflin, Ryan, Bybee, Bradish. If you want to mix and match there, you're more than welcome. Like I'm not gonna hold hold anybody's foot to a flame and that could change. Like I like Bradish. I just it's one of those where he jumps so much I kind of like the numbers are legit. I'm not denying that, but do I want to push him that much higher? Type thing. Yeah, he's twenty six for me. So. Yeah. So, but I won't like if you want to have him top twenty, Colin. No problem. Like I totally get it, but I'm not there yet. But like I did just have did an Orioles preview, and um, MLB Dream was pretty legit. Like that's how I learned about the pitch mix was listening to him talk about it, and um, he was pretty pretty optimistic in what Kyle Bradish did. Let's put it that way. Um, I just want to bring up real quick, we don't have to dive into him because we just did, but Garrett Cole's even on this list, 19.6% K to walk to 23% goes back to the argument that even a potential decrease in the ERA, the stuff's still there, folks. Just want to throw that out there. Like He he, he finished very strong, thus the Cy Young. Um, I'll let you take the, the floor here, though, because he did a little more deep diving and pitch mix. Like There's a handful of guys I'd have no problem talking about here. So who are some of the ones that interested you? Because these are some... Higher up names, I should say, at least the names we're interested in. Got it, got it, got to mention. So, I, uh, just a list of guys who change up their pitch mix the most from first to second half. So, Pavetta was number one. Zach Eflin was number two. Um, so, switched up his pitch mix and saw the strikeout minus walk rise from uh, where is he at? Twenty one point four percent to twenty five point two. That's quite that's a jump. Really, really good. Uh, Tampa obviously saw something there, made an adjustment, and Zach Eflin. Um, I think is 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 a great pitcher to buy. Uh, I got to give a shout out to uh, to our boy Ben Tid, who told me not to mention Kode Senga, <laughs> who shows up on this list because we keep Kode talking Senga about uh, about the walk issues with Senga. Senga switched up his pitch mix the third most out of any starting pitcher on this list from first to second half, and the walk rate was awful in the first half. Yep. Got better. A little better. Still still not like even league average, but like much more palatable in the second half when when you combine that uh with all the Ks and the volume uh that Cody Senga can get you, I think uh I think he's a really good buy here. Try to see which pitch he ditched. Um but yeah, go on. Honestly, I I'm a big fan of Singa. We talked about him quite a bit. Like there's those adjustments in the second half and the increase in strikeouts was tremendous to see. So I'm looking forward to his first season after like his second season, but his first kind of after he got maybe accustomed to major league baseball and maybe comfortable yeah. in the U S I'm very, very interested to see how he does. Agreed. All right. If you're ready to wrap this up, we got a couple listener questions. You guys came through on January 4th. I'm loving the excitement. So Let's hop into a few listener questions here. We already got calling my shots. Uh, Kyle Bradish love song, which is beautiful. Um, it's 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 justified. It's justified. It's all I'm gonna say. Like he's very, very, very good. So uh, you got that going for you. 
Uh, Jack Kitchen hit us up earlier today in the DMs, and he says, um, I was wondering if you know where most people get fantasy points gained data. Any idea? You Can you add that info into your pod with Bubba and the Bloom? Which is great, by the way. Um, Ryan and I texted about this, and I'm guessing this is more SGP standard gain points question. What's your thoughts on this? Because um, it's I'm not the the sheets kind of guy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll assume this is standing gains points. But basically, what what that is, and so when I say like when I just said Kyle Bradish is my 26th pitcher off the board, um, it's basically taking the five stats that make up make up you know rotisserie and converting that using a formula converting that to a single number where you can rank these guys and so it's a very complex formula i don't even know the intricacies of it no so i'm not really qualified to kind of speak on it um i do know a lot of really good resources uh but basically what and i'll, I'll get to that in, in just a second uh, but it's basically using your league's history if you have it um, and this is why the nfbc is so great too because they post all the results publicly and um, you can download all that and get standing gains points from you can basically get the formula from their standings over like a ton of leagues. Um, so it's it's very useful. Um, but basically, that's what it does is it, it combines, it converts what you have projection wise into a standing gain points number. And what standing gains points is, is basically like this is how many steals you need to move up one point in the standings based on your league history. This is how many home runs would move you up one point in um, your league's standings given its history. So you can uh, you can kind of take that. It, it gets much more complicated, like the ratios. There's more complicated formulas. Um, you then have to like can convert these to dollar values and adjust for positional. And like there's so there's all this stuff. But in essence, that's what it is. Uh, a couple of resources I, I would recommend. Larry Schechter has a book called Winning Fantasy Baseball came out about like eight years ago he goes into the details on how to actually do it um and then jeff zimmerman and tanner bell, tanner bell yeah. the the process just came out where they have um they have posted the 2023 formulas um and tanner even on his website um i hope i get it right smart fantasy bb i think so yeah that sounds right because it's smart fantasy baseball but i guess like bb yeah i think you're right smart fantasy baseball.com uh, okay Tanner has an actual Excel sheet that has this all built out. And I, I think Toby, like he said, he Toby loves it. it. Toby, Toby's so, religious with it. And uh, um, yeah. yeah, if you don't, if you don't want the details, you just want to use the sheet and actually use it. Um, go to, go to Tanner Bell's website, smartfantasybaseball.com. If you want to learn the kind of theory behind it, read Larry Schechter's book. There you go. Martin Sikulski. He asks, who do you prefer in 2024? Yuri Perez, Grayson Rodriguez, or Bobby Miller? It's pretty Let's easy. Let's see. I've got easy. Grayson Rodriguez 19th, Bobby Miller 23rd, and Yuri Perez 32nd, which passes the smell test for me. I think on, you know, when I when I have to click the button in the draft room, I'd I'd go Rodriguez uh over Miller and then Perez last, which sounds bad, but um yeah, I go Grayson. I go Grayson for sure. And then I have Yuri, then Bobby, but I will be 100% honest. The more I do digging and the more I talk to smart people, um, Bobby Miller's looking more attractive to me. I'm still not in like I these other guys, but he's looking much more attractive right now. I'll be honest. But I have him third for me. 
as as the as the Giants bias fades away and away. Draft uh, it's just these young pitchers. It really takes a lot for me to to get going. They're all three young guys, so it's just tough for me. Yep. Um, Dave Petrozello, this is for you, Bloom, because he hit me up with this. And I'm like, this is out of my pay grade. Um, you might have an answer. Uh, he says, I need that Wyatt Langford projection on the HQ side addressed. <laughs> I know how good he was in the small sample at AA and AAA last year, but wow. Also, might he start in the majors? I think maybe. So, yeah, because he said that was one that stood out to him uh, since he's never even been there before. Uh, what, what, what do Wyatt Lankford. Yeah, I'm trying to pull up his projection here. I think this came up in the Slack. Um, yeah, we need to adjust. Probably is playing. I think it's playing time more than anything. Um, batting average really high, 344. That's. Yes, that's a, yeah. that's a bit well, steep. Uh, that's actually a really good point. Let me uh, let me do, let me let me make some. I know some people. Yeah, Brian Brian knows a few people. Uh, he might be able to, you know, get it through. Yeah, it's interesting. I take the over on the playing time and the under on the uh, average. Pretty much all the rate stats. Yeah. So, thanks you for that, Dave. That should be adjusted in the coming days. Uh, Steve Stoughton he asks favorite pitcher and hitter to target ADP two fifty or higher in DCs. Oh man, two fifty now. We're, uh, let's see. I'm on the pitcher page right now, so I'll just throw a pitcher out there. And since you said two fifty, I will be kind of lazy and go right around there. Um, whew, I think Griffin Canyon at two ninety five is pretty nice. I'll be honest; we talked about him. That that's a fun one. Um, what, I'll what, go. Uh, I'm so. You? Nick Lodolo is like right there. Uh, I think Nick Lodolo is a great buy. I mentioned on our. I think our last episode, maybe two, yeah, two episodes ago, Christopher Sanchez at ADP yes. is like my favorite buy of any starting pitcher at the moment. You can go back and, and listen to that um, for the reasons why. On the hitting side, you know, at 255 is Luis Rangifo. So, like, would we really have to go well, any farther with I this? Mean, I like, mean, this kind of sells itself, right? Yes, it does. Luis you got I like Anthony Rizzo at 281, though. I'll say that much. That's just a crime, I think, right now. Yeah, I got to see. Let's see. Um, obviously, did not prepare for this one. Taylor Ward's like 220. That's a little high. Um, I will go. I think Brandon Drury is a good yeah. buy. I know he's just barely inside the 250. If you can stomach a UT only. Um, I think Eloy is worth taking a shot at, mm-hmm. especially in fab leagues where yep. if he gets hurt, you can drop him. Justin Turner is probably my favorite one. Yep. Um, I think, uh, I think I mentioned him on our ADP yes, episode at first base. I've, I, I just think the ADP on Turner is way too low. He will sign with somebody and he will play. So, yep. there we go. I'm with you there as well. Uh, sheep, massively good underdog player. He asks, are the kid gloves slash innings management risks off of Grayson? I think so. That's my two cents. What's your yeah. thoughts? Yep. I mean, he threw 164 innings last year, 86 yep. in the second half. Like, can't ask for much more than that. Yep. That's pretty much go time, especially when you look at that Orioles rotation. Let's just go to this just real quick because I pull up roster resource here. Um, since they lost a lot of arms, and they're going to probably trade for Cease or somebody, but right now you have – Bradish, who threw 166 last year. Grayson did his thing, like you mentioned. Means only threw 23. Dean Kramer threw 172. Do you trust that again? And then the fifth spot they're waiting for. So there's a good chance Grayson's needed to throw some innings. Let's put it that way. 
Yeah, on a team in contention. Yeah. Uh, live question from Alan the Leonardis. Favorite booze-based uh, nasal decongestant. What are you drinking? Oh, is what he wants to know, Ryan. What am I drinking? Um, I'm not drinking it right now, but there's some Tullamore Dew, some good Irish whiskey. There you go. That'll uh, that, that that loosens up the, uh, the, the 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 pathways for me. A little hot toddy, a little hot toddy in there, a little extra cinnamon with it. That'll get you going. Um, That's a good question. I like that. And then the last one we have here, unless anybody else sneaks in under the wire, uh, Corbin, Corbin Young, our buddy. He says, Taj, Lance Lynn, and Brady Singer plus Jordan freaking Lyles. One uh, one on either list, you don't believe the projection difference. So go back to that first... uh, First bloom board, we had the ERA versus the steamer ERA. Who is one you believe on the positive side of things? Uh, on the positive or side, or on either list, either list, you pick yeah. one you believe and one you don't believe. I'll go Grayson and Strider on the positive side, and then I'll go, uh, uh, wait, that I don't believe in. That's the ones you believe in. Now you have to give one you don't believe in. I'm, I'm, I'm limping to the finish. You got it. I'm, I'm here for you. I don't believe in Bradley. I don't even know what the question is at this point. I don't believe in Bradley. I believe in Strider and Grayson. I don't believe in. (laughs) I believe in the Grayson improvements. I'm with you there. What I don't believe in is I don't believe in. um, Let's see here. Let's have some fun here. I don't believe I don't believe in Tanner Bybee at the 420. Yeah, that's fair. I think it's more of a 350-360. Sounds about right. Um, I'm with you there. So we'll we'll team up on that one. Bybee and Grayson Rodriguez. We'll we'll, we'll take that route as we uh, get towards the the finish line here. And uh, actually, that was the last question. So we're good. We're in the books. You got this one, Bloom. You made it. You survived. Um, Final thoughts. I don't want to take your last words out of your mouth as you might be. Did you take your NyQuil midway through the show like you wanted to? No, or? I forgot. I, here we go. Oh, he's going to take a shot of NyQuil live on air, folks. It's nice to give it a, a you know rated R rating. It's not safe for kids anymore. We're taking drugs on the air. But, don't, um, don't take NyQuil while you have a cough drop in your mouth. <laughs> this is great. Um, but, yeah, fun stuff. We're going to come at you guys next week, Tuesday, Thursday. Positional previews, obviously – catchers on tuesday because that's the you know best position to talk about uh ryan might not even show up if he's sick it's fine i got this one handled um and then we'll we'll move on around the diamond as usual so final thoughts mr bloomfield now that you're uh medicated yeah um not not baseball related got a little got a little bubba bloom bills dolphins afc east on the line on sunday night yeah that's that's the bills 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 to lose let's put it that way we'll be going back and forth that night i'm sure um Excited for previews. Excited for previews. We will, uh, we'll, yeah, we'll talk about kind of how we want to structure it, I guess, over the weekend and knock that out. So, um, draft season's here, man. Let's, uh, let's, let's enjoy it. Let's rock and roll. That'll be the next few weeks, obviously, to go through all the positions. Yep. And again, rate, review the podcast. If you'd like to just be nice to us, it'd be, it'd be awesome. But if you want to get into the auction listener leagues, get up in there. Send one of us, both of us, the podcast link, whichever one you prefer, a picture of said rating and review, and you'll be on the list as we try to go. If we get to at least four leagues, we will have a special prize for an overall winner. So let's make it happen. Thank you all for doing that. Uh, make sure you check out Ryan on Twitter at RyanBHQ, the podcast at Bubba Bloom Pod. 
I'm Matt BD Entrick. This was Bub in the Bloom, episode 96. Catch you all next time.